Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Was I supposed to say that? Yeah. Oh, or was yeah. I supposed to act that out? Well, hello and welcome to the China Shop. It's a special, special fire sale. We got the doors wide open because it is the June Month in Review episode. Everything must go. Everything must go. <laughs> I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. Kyle's celebrating a big promotion this month. Oh, God, we just man. bumped him up to zombie team leader ah, nice. here in the China Shop. How are you doing today, Kyle? Excellent. Hungry. Hungry, right? That's why we got you in charge of them zombies. Got to eat them brains. Damn right. <laughs> yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> We're so glad you've joined us here at the shop. If you are new to the shop, then you're probably going to be confused because we're just going over and reviewing everything that uh, happened in the month. That's okay. You can still sit back, relax, have a good time, rage against the hedge machine. Got tons of beginner episodes and knowledge center of financialneptude.com. You should go check those out. But for those of you who aren't new to the shop, let us proceed. <laughs> Kyle, we had a big month. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Um, what do you want to start with? You want to go through the, the episodes, the bonus ones? Uh, yeah. yeah the, we had some big guests. Yeah. Uh, starting with our, our biggest guest episode download count ever. CEO Dan Legault from Antibes. Man, that was a fantastic yes. interview. I learned a lot about pharmaceuticals in that episode and i highly recommend anyone who hasn't heard that check that out did you end up buying shares after talking to him yes after talking with dan lego <laughs> I, I got so i got so bullish on on the matador wouldn't even put his hat on or his big puffy yellow pants he's like nope i'm not fucking with that bull that's how bullish i am yeah yeah, I was just like, well, I actually was afraid to buy shares until after the episode released. Uh, I know we're not big time or anything, but a conversation with the CEO that you're planning to release, yeah, you better let that out first, just in case. I've bought, I bought, uh, I bought a little bit of shares at like 308, and then it dipped down to three, and was like, why not buy more? What was really exciting about talking to him is just the plan that they had going forward. Um, I mean, he didn't. Yeah, he kind of confirmed some of the things that we were. Like the the Nasdaq uplisting, like uh, it sounds like that mm -hmm. was a done deal. They're just waiting for the right time. Yep, and it really sounded like they're just trying to get some really solid momentum moving into that uplisting. Yeah, and I was speculating about this, and uh, I think with the guys on StockTwits, um, like my my thought was that he's just trying to set up the company to where when once they get uplisted, they don't get immediately shorted into oblivion. Yeah, yeah, they want all that positive news momentum from mm -hmm. their their clinical trials. So they come into there with phase three announcement of everything, you know, getting ready to go forward with that, couple that with maybe some partnerships. Yeah, there's. Mm -hmm. I think there's a plenty of different ways they could play that, and I'm really, I'm probably going to end up buying some more shares. I think if it dips below three, I might get another couple hundred. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, I think I mentioned on one of the episodes this month, I, I stopped buying lottery tickets because it was like, you know, this this $4 right. a week, if I could put it in Antibes, in, Antibes instead, that's way better. <laughs> that's a way better place. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Arizona Lottery Commission. Yeah, this one actually has positive expectation. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's our other who's our other guest this uh this month? Uh following Dan Legault, we had we spoke with Alex Greengard and we did a deep dive on crypto. Not only that, he did a great explanation of some of the use cases for it. It actually changed my mind. I mean, I'd been brutal hesitant on on any of the cryptos, but after after that discussion with him, I've kind of changed my tune a little bit. Well, absolutely. He really opened our eyes to the the levels of crypto that's beyond just buying coins and selling coins. There's right. so much more you can do with these crypto coins. And uh, um, goddamn, I, that who is that uh, that guy we talked about uh, on the last episode that thinks Ethereum's overrated? Oh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. Yes, yes. Uh, like, yeah, I think he needs to listen to that episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So we're like, we're learning all this stuff about how Ethereum is basically becoming the backbone of all cryptocurrency. Right. And it's overrated. And Jack Dorsey's like, I don't like it. And which the one he pushed? He oh. pushed the one that's that's on like the, the bare bones like hotcakes or something. <laughs> yeah, hotcakes. It's on the Binance network, so you can't stake it. You can't do any of that cool banking stuff that Alex was telling us about. Like, it's way less versatile. Was it actually hotcakes? Because I thought I just made that up. It was something ridiculous like that. <laughs> um, Hotcoin. Honey, hotcoin. Sweet cheeks. That sounds like something an uh, old CEO would say, right? <laughs> Hamster coin. Hamster, that's hamster right. Hamster coin. <laughs> hamster coin? I mean, was that on Coinbase? Can I get free dollars on that one? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think we should... We might have to bring Alex back and ask him for his take on uh, on hamster coin. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe we can get him to write us a, a little quick uh, blog post for the, the website on why Jack Dorsey's an idiot. <laughs> Or maybe he's not. Who knows? Leave a message on the the Two Bulls hotline. Oh, that would work too. Alex, if you're listening. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 725-22-BULLS. Let us know what's happening. And then uh, we wrapped up with our Trade Pro Trifecta. We finally got the lovely Sarah Glass in. Yes. Order Flow Expert. Uh, That one Uh. felt like a really advanced episode. Uh, I think my oh, gran- yeah. my grandma was in town that week, and I didn't even bother letting her listen to that one with us. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> this is going to go so Gr- far over your head that you might as well. <laughs> grandma, you gotta you gotta learn about order flow if you're going to make it in the stock trading world. Grandma, come on. Oh God. Put your book down. Pay attention. I know this doesn't have much to do with the uh, the show that we're doing right now, but she was asking me about like where she should put her her money for. That she's saving for a trip to Germany. Oh wow! And I was like, ah, you should probably leave that in the bank account. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not no going to give you a, Kyle. I'm not going to give you a stock and have you like lose half of it. <laughs> Put it in CVM, Grandma. Yeah, They're about right? to cure cancer. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Sarah Glass order flow. Uh, I haven't I haven't gotten to it on the Trade Pro stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, this is this is my week after work this week. I'll be able to hammer down. 
Uh, but I really do intend on getting one of those subscription services right. to watch the order flow as she's teaching it. Mm-hmm. Knowing when giant institutions and smart money are making moves is is just ungodly powerful in, in, in this right. game. And it sounds like there's a lot more to it than just, oh, here's a big order that came through, right? Yes. Sounds like there's a lot more finesse to it. It's almost like an art uh, from what she was explaining. Like the institutions and big money will do things to disguise their moves. Like why? Yeah. Like if everybody else jumps in, then you basically just immediately got a profit. <laughs> you can just close it out right then. <laughs> right? Because the market makers will have to hedge for all those contracts coming in. Yeah. You would think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> maybe maybe they don't want rival hedge funds to like jump in with a short and fuck them over. I don't know. Ah, that's a good point. I have to ask George how much fighting hedge funds do. I mean, we know he told us that they'll eat their own. Oh, no God, problem, yeah. No questions asked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can you uh, talk about the egos that you got involved? Yeah, anytime you can get one over on one of your competitors, you can probably play golf with them. That's a China shop promise. We will not play golf. With anyone we bankrupt. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I will not do that. You wouldn't? You wouldn't pay for their, their uh No. Their course fee? The green fee? Oh, I would I might pay for them to have a round of golf if they wanted it, but I'm not gonna golf with them. That's gonna be painful. <laughs> How are the Salty kids? <laughs> they they still in that fancy private school? Oh, oh they're not? Hmm. <laughs> Shouldn't have went long on CVM right before I fucking shorted it into the ground. Right. Uh, Speaking of CVM, that was painful. It was, it was. But real quick before we move on from Sarah Glass, also this month was the month we became official Trade Pro affiliates. It was. uh, After having her on there, and I think it was because Kyle and I made a very sweet Flowrider tune that she enjoyed so much, she said, we gotta be affiliates with these guys, they got great tunes. Uh, yeah, it's okay. We can go with that. None of the hard work happens? I did behind the scenes. No, no. That was, obviously, your your music got no, it done. No, no, you, you, you were <laughs> influential in writing the lyrics to the parody. I mean, that was us. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I think I had started just yeah. before, uh, just before we had her on. It did, it did. And it was all your hard work, by the way. I, I fully acknowledge that. Um, but we're, pr- we're both proud to be affiliated with uh, such knowledgeable, uh, awesome, kind people who really, their goal is just to educate and let retail traders know how to trade like institutions do. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful. Yeah, and uh, should be getting George Papazov on here in, uh, what, about 10 minutes or so? Yes, that's right. We're going to be joined by the, the head pro trader himself george papazov also one of our first podcast guests ever now and he's yeah. he's come it's coming full circle like six months later we're getting him back on um yeah cv cvm was a big the big debacle of the month for me yeah um, i think that was mine too um uh and i think that might actually warrant another rule what do you think yeah don't fight What's, momentum don't fight momentum oh yeah yeah. I feel like that really ought to be one of these rules on here. Yeah, yeah. You want to sail with the momentum. You don't want to fight it. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. And if you're making a bet against the momentum, uh, it should be at least looking for confirmation that the momentum is turning, or at least waning, not right in the middle of it like I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the other big mistake I made had to do with earnings calls. And while earnings calls were kind of one of my favorite things to do when we first started, mm-hmm. starting to really learn that uh, that's, I think uh, the Trade Pro lesson I watched, I actually put it best. Earnings calls are gambling and pros don't gamble. There you go. So, yeah, I think I'm probably going to have to cut that from my playbook. If I'm ho- I don't want to hold through the uncertainty of it. Uh, playing them leading up like you like to do or playing the post earnings drop is another thing completely. Yep. Like, but and, you, you have confirmation for those moves. Right, exactly. You can think of anything else that happened this month that we want to go uh, over? Should we just quickly run through the rules and see how we did the existing ones? Yes. Yeah. Uh, rule number one, double check your orders. Mm-hmm. How'd mm-hmm. you do? I, I, I broke that one uh, with my OGI. Oh, I failed that I one. I bought too many too. shares. Um, I didn't, I didn't update my CV, CVM stop loss, uh, after I made a buy. Yeah. That was a big one for me this month that I need to work on and make sure that next month does not happen. I know I had at least one or two times in there where I sold instead of bought, uh, that one always, yeah, there's a reason why this is rule number one for me. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, rule number two was log your trades. How'd you do with that? Um, I, uh, 100% accuracy. Uh, I just pulled up my history on TD Ameritrade and they're all right there. I've been logging logged. every single one of mine too, but now I've actually added a new column so I can put down my reasoning. Yeah. Uh, trying to give myself some more, I'm trying to treat this more as a trade journal, which I think is the the right way to do it. I'm going to start incorporating my set scores into that as well. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I joke about just pulling up the history on Ameritrade, but no, what, my, no. my, uh, I thought my, you, you compared it, it never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I meant I just printed out the yeah, gotcha. Ameritrade okay, log. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> no, what, uh, what, what mine's evolved into is I've made some of my, my own worksheets mm-hmm. to do my trade pro analysis. Like I call it my, my stock homework every day. Um, and that's becoming my trade log because those are the stocks I trade. Right. So, like in in there, as I'm watching each, I'm logging the candle each day. Did it break any supporter resistance? Did a supporter resistance hold? How you know where's the trend? You know, I got to go over it, look at it, and then fill it all in, and got my notes and everything. And so, like with Dr Pepper, it was like buy at thirty four fifty. You know, uh, so I've got it. It's logged that way, and then when it gets to my sell point, I'll put sell at this. Is that uh, is that part of the resources they gave us? Uh... No, I made my own. As part of the class, or did you make your okay? Yeah, I'd be curious to see that. I'd like to look through that. I think that's uh, do you have a template for that? Maybe uh, our guests, our listeners might want to see that as well. Oh, yeah, no, it's just a spreadsheet that I made and printed up. <laughs> uh, send it to me, I can print it, I can make it pretty, and then we can post okay. it on the uh, the site or Sounds to the good. Discord. Give it to uh, give it to those guys. Yeah, um, I made it to try and force me to go through and check all the boxes that George was like, you should be looking at all these things. Mm hmm. Uh, so I like I made it with that in mind. Like if I'm filling this out, I'm forcing myself to look at all these things. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. I I think I need to do something similar. I mean, I look at everything, but I don't. It's not structured like that. Uh, let's see. Rule number three: Don't sell options you don't want exercised. That's more for me. So we might be able to take that off because uh, I don't think that really applies to you. Yeah, I I I definitely. Well, and and now that we're talking about it. Uh, I was thinking about this exact thing again because I just sold a bunch of puts on OGI and I was like, yeah, if these got put to me, I would want to sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so so I realized in in you know Dan's Options Insurance Company Incorporated, uh, if I get shares put to me, I'm just going to sell the most in the money calls I can. Right. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Like the moment they get put to me, like oh they get put to me yeah. on Friday yeah. that Monday morning. Pff, okay, well here's a, I'm going to wheel out of them. Here's the call at fifty cents a share. Yep. <laughs> I dare I dare you to get below fifty. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure how. Yeah, we can probably get rid of that one. I'll go ahead and okay. mark it for deletion. Oh shit! I'm excited. Changing All right. The rules. Uh, number four: No impulsive or bandwagon trades. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we both got a failing mark on this one. Yes. <laughs> the order flow alerts. That's cheating off Sarah's paper is just too easy. Yep. I know. <laughs> I know. I, st- I still have some VST calls. The good news is... Oh, I do too. But those ones are actually doing well. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> I actually had them all. I was just going to let them all play out, personally. Yeah, my, I wasn't initially wanting to go on every single one of them. I wanted to look and evaluate them. But yeah, then started getting that, you know, that fever. Gold rush fever. Start seeing, especially start seeing success on one of them, like AMD taking off. Uh, I think Snapchat was doing well, too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, these are gold. I'm just going to buy them all. <laughs> well, let's not do that. Let's still qualify them. <laughs> oh, man. Look at us. We were so full of ourselves last May. Like, we got uh-huh. these rules. We were done. <laughs> it's like... Rule number five I have an exit plan. Yes. Yes. And follow it. That's okay. Yeah. Follow it should be. And follow it. <laughs> Have slash follow an exit plan. Yeah, That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, because I had an exit plan for CVM and I did not follow it. <laughs> I've had exit plans and then, yeah, I talked myself out of them. I did follow it very well with AMD and I'm glad that that worked out. Yeah. It's good to see an exit plan work out to your advantage. Mm-hmm. At least help confirm in your head that it's the right thing to do. Uh, number six, paper trade, back trust, new strategies first. You were initially resistant to this rule, and uh, I yep. think you've been actually becoming more of a proponent of it. Yes, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. As I, as I do more of the trade pro stuff, and then, like I said, I put together my homework paper, yeah, uh, paperwork, and I've been filling it out. It's like, okay, this is this is really valuable. You gotta you gotta prove that you you know <laughs> that the strategy works. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When you're a gambler. You're too excited to wait mm-hmm. because because you're adding that luck element of well I you know I don't want to miss out on that chance to get really lucky along with my gut and intuition you know it all well there's part of a fear too that you're not going to find another setup like that when really you're finding them left and right if you're doing this thing the right way right yes no it's true it's true I set up some stock screeners based on uh, like the, how Vico walked through how to do it and he's like here's my screener mm-hmm. for a pullback here's my screener for a breakout and like you know when I do my dailies it's always it's it's on my saved screener so I can see how many stocks just you know just did a pullback you know I can like it's right yeah every day there's there's stuff up on there and it's like oh I'll click it and I'll open it and I'll be like, okay, Dan, don't, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. You don't have time to add a bunch of new stocks to watch right now. Right. <laughs> but there's so many stocks out there. Yeah, you're always, always going to be able to go out and look and there's find. There's always going to be another one. Patience is the name of this game is what it really, yeah. I think what we're really learning. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, also one of the hardest things to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. How many of our moves that we lost money this uh, last month would have been saved if we'd had patience? Oh, yeah, for me, uh, timing say, is my big problem. I'd say just about everything I did that was that failed <laughs> could have been saved if I would have been patient. On that note, I'm getting impatient. Can we get George on here yet? <laughs> uh, first, we got one more piece of business to get through, Dan. No, Kyle, it's time. Look, George, he's he's beeping in. I got him on the line. He's so angry. He's like, get to it, guys. I know I'm Canadian, but I'm not <laughs> fucking polite. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah, I got to do this. Okay. Okay. Make it quick. I'll make it quick. Uh, you lost the bet. I did for June. I lost the bet with fifty so, percent gains. You son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, you did. It's not because I did badly. It's because I didn't do as good as you. All right, Dan. Your consequences for this month. Uh, keeping in the theme of choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the choice of reading a book that has been proclaimed to be really, really good, but I'm guessing you're going to think it's terrible, or a book that is really, really terrible, but is so bad it might actually be good. But I won't know which the two which books I'm choosing from, that I have to choose from those two options? Nope, I have the books picked, so uh, yeah, you're going to have to... Like, I have to, be, I have to pick the consequence based on those clues. Based on those clues, yes. So it's either a book that like the general populace feels is a good book, but you feel like I won't like. Yes. Or a book the general populace is like, this is a bad book, but it might be so bad that I enjoy reading it because it's a train wreck. Yes. Oh, fuck. Um, and I will say that the, I kept the pages reasonable, the page counts in the two books that I picked. So it's not something, it's not going to be like Ulysses. <laughs> Although that was tempting after four weeks of <laughs> Jersey Shore, <laughs> I I will I will take the one that uh, people say is good that you think I won't like. Damn it! I was really hoping you take the other one. So let me tell you the one that you didn't get. Okay, it's Irene Idisley. Uh, it's published by the author's husband as an anniversary present to his wife. Uh, it's often described as the worst novel ever written, with purple prose that is circumlocuatory. How do you fucking say that word? Circumlocuatory to the point of incomprehensibility. It was popularized by Barry Payne, who called it a thing that happens once in a million years. Mark Twain called it one of the greatest unintentionally humorous novels of all time, while the Inklings competed to see who could read one of Ross's works for the longest without laughter. So yeah, Mark Twain and a bunch of his friends used to get together and read this book out loud to see how long they could read without laughing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the so the book that you are getting then, uh, are you familiar with Judy Bloom? I am familiar with Judy Bloom. I used to stock right, we... the shelves at a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> so you get to read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh my god. It's a young adult novel about a sixth grade girl who's grown up without religious affiliation due to her parents' interfaith marriage. It explores her quest for a single religion while confronting topical, typical issues faced by early adolescent girls going through puberty, such as buying her first bra, having her menstruation, oh. and feeling attracted to certain boys. <laughs> god, is it too late to switch? Fuck. Nope. Oh, yes. yes. Yes, I think it is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Yeah, oh. I thought you might enjoy reading about a, a sixth grader going through a period and talking with their friends about boys. So yeah, I'm gonna need uh, I'm gonna need a report on this book. I think in the next uh, next couple of weeks, I'll uh, I'll get that ordered and sent to your house. Oh, you're gonna send me a copy of the book? Yeah, yeah. I think that's been the the way we play the game, right? Okay. How long does this book report have to be? Um, I don't think there's any. I think it just needs to have the effort put into it. Oh, is the important oh, thing. How much get... effort did I put into Jersey Shore? Oh well, you you did it. So enough. You did. You put in enough effort. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, use that as your guide. Okay, all right, all right. I am not Googling <laughs> professional book report writers right now. Uh, no, uh, 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 this is horrible, and I, I, I knew it would be bad when I saw that Jersey Shore episode with you. I was like, oh, dear Lord. I have, I have really... <laughs> I wasn't sure which one I wanted you to choose, uh, to be honest with you. I might just save the other book for uh, next month. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them all in the rejected consequences list. There you go. There you go. Actually, that might be a good idea. Like, uh, somebody proposes something that's too ridiculous, you can grab from the rejected. Sounds good to me. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> are you there, George? It's us, two bulls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks it's the moment we've all been waiting for the arrival of papa george how you doing george <laughs> well that's the best intro i've ever received <laughs> thank you <laughs> oh it gets better it gets better <laughs> Great uh. from all the tennis in the place with style and grace allow him to beat these simple seduces in their pushes mm. who smacks ass can mix cash with all the mammies the back of the club <laughs> fighting lines is where you'll find him mm. the back of the club tracking yeah. flows his crews behind him mad questions asking no passing market blasting but he just can't quit because one of these fuckies poppies got to teach with short with keep the port a secret why not why blow up my stock cause the price got dropped now check it he got more ask than buyers at the bid believe me sweetie he teach enough to feed the needy no need to be greedy he got mad friends with benzes see notes by the layers true fucking traders jump in the chat room and command them tell your friends take a course or three he at the pro academy the traders all just call him george pop throw them shots in the air if you're a risk slayer the traders all just call him george pop to the friendlies getting tendies playing entries like hedges the traders all just call him george pop you got a phone up in your hands please don't call for a car because wow. george has got the profits to take that should buy a mercedes Mercedes. <laughs> That's so oh, good. I can't tell you. My neck hurts. I was like going I, along with it. I was like, oh yeah. I can't tell you how many times I listened to that. <laughs> wow, that was that was fantastic. I think uh, oh. I think there needs to be an award given out for the best jingle there. <laughs> we'll get you a, we'll get you a copy of that. I think Dan made a, uh, a edited version because I don't know if you guys are dropping f bombs or are as explicit as us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we uh, we support that by all means. I mean, it's so good. Through fucking traitors. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. How could you deny it? You know? It's, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very, That's very awesome. kind. I appreciate that. I know it took work, and uh, thank you. It's not work if you love it, right? Yeah, we, we had a good time. <laughs> and I'm honored. You know, Biggie, oh. great rapper. I, I listened to a lot of his stuff in the past, actually. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Kyle and I are so excited to have you on yes. because we have been taking these trade pro courses 
And I've told to Kyle, like, I feel like I'm binging TV. I'm not like watching anything educational. Like I want this knowledge so uh, greatly and I value it so much that it's, yeah, it's like, I'm just Netflix binging. I'm like, yeah, let's play the next one. Let's do the next I've one. Had to, I've had to slow myself down and rewatch several of them just to make sure that those lessons did sink in, especially the, like the channel cart, uh, channel candle patterns and chart patterns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to slow that down. I was like, yeah, you didn't get it all in one shot, Kyle. You got to do this again. <laughs> well, you know what? I love to hear that, though, because, you know, how much time do we spend watching other content that doesn't really help us or support us? So I love that it's yeah. it's got the binge-worthy oh. factor. You know, I thank you. That's a, It's a really big compliment. That's yeah. kind of what we go for when we create this stuff. It's much better than Jersey Shore. I could tell you that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't blow up my head too much now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there's been a couple yeah. things that we learned. We actually added two new rules to our list uh, from this past month, and and both of them I think come from what we've learned directly from from the lessons. Uh, number one, Dan and I were just talking about the mistakes that we made with uh, Celsi, mm-hmm. uh trying to, mm-hmm. to jump in and fighting momentum, and then just getting killed on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's don't fight momentum is now rule number six. And then the next one is one that I want to talk a little bit more about. And that's uh, earnings calls are gambling and trade pros don't gamble. I think that was specifically mentioned in a lesson that I watched right after I decided to gamble on Micron earnings. <laughs> How timely, right? <laughs> and that seems to be the, the thing. I don't know if it's just confirmation bias. Uh, like, you know, you learn a lesson that immediately applies the next day. Yeah. Or if it's it really is just working out that way. Well, there's a lot of stuff that goes into play with, with that, right? It's like it's a gamble because you don't really know what the news is going to be, and mm-hmm. if you do, it's illegal. So it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't really win with, with any one of those two scenarios. But it's like it's also the way options work with the volatility premium. You know that yes, the Vega gets pushed up a lot, and then there's the, the Vega flush right afterward. And we've we've had people email us, you know, the stock's up ten percent. How come my call options not doing good? Right. I'm like, well. You just learned Vega flush and, and why <laughs> you know trading earnings is, is so dangerous. So I love both those rules, especially the first one there. Um, not fighting against the trend. It's like it's it's amazing how much money people have to lose, including me, to learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you get you get slapped in the face and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do it again. But then a few days pass, like you know, what, maybe it kind of looks appealing again. You get slapped again. It's like right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been. I've been abused by by going against the trend, and it took me a long time to actually figure out. You know, it's always easier to make, no matter how much you think it's gone up. It's always easier to get another couple dollars on the trend side than being able to predict the exact reversal moment. You know, that's funny because Sarah, I think when we had her on, talked about how great you are at picking bottoms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's a saying: bottom pickers get smelly fingers. No, oh, really. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <Gross. laughs> Yeah, it is, a, it is a pretty gross one. But it, it, when you use order flow, like we take it one step a bit deeper, when you can see every institutional order in real time, mm-hmm. you know, there is an ability to pick those moments. But I think that the thing about those moments is being able to cut your risk. It's like picking the bottom, not because you didn't get on one side and you, you need it to go the opposite way to make money, but picking the bottom because you have an edge and finding how the orders are flowing through the market in real time. I think those are mm. two different things, right? One is like hope and like mm-hmm. FOMO, and the other one is more of an edge as a strategy. So I do tend to be good at the reversals, 
But the reversals are much more emotional in nature. Like anytime you're going against a trend, even if you got a strategy with an edge, it always feels, I don't know, more wrong, I guess I would say. Like, <laughs> there's always more risk on the line. I, th- I think part of my issue with uh, the mistakes that we made with Celsi was not necessarily the what you're saying right there is more of a, I know I'm right. I can't be wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was not wanting to admit that I wasn't right. <laughs> Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. The market's wrong, damn it. Yeah, I read this. This is good news. Why are they not reacting the way I think they should? The market will eventually see it like I do. It'll just take a few days. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. After half of the value sold off. (laughs) It suddenly becomes attractive (laughs) again. Yes. Yeah, well, a lot of, you know, like we're we're raised as human beings. We're taught about having the be right, right? Like we're evaluated at school. We get grades. There's a right way and a wrong way to do stuff. And Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of spills over into trading as well. It's like it's vindicating. It's empowering when you're both right and you make money. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times Mm -hmm. I made money when I was wrong and I still was able to capitalize on it. So I think. Right. You know, that's a lesson that when you learn, you start to turn the corner from just getting started in the business and saying, Hey, I could probably make this a career because it gives you confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not a dot. Like if somebody went to a surgeon that had the same win rate as my trades, I, w- I would question, <laughs> I would question their decision making. Like, <laughs> like this is a pretty standard opera, uh, procedure and operation. You know, every other doctor, 99% success rate, I got 40 lay on the table. Right. It's like, <laughs> Thank God I don't have to be right, guys. Like that's that's one of the most beautiful things in this industry. Ah, man, I just had a thought too, and I lost it. Ah, mm. you just start writing this sit down, <laughs> right? <laughs> to because the one thing that's on my mind, if Kyle doesn't have a question queued, go uh, for it. I, I've been looking at this stock REI Ring Energy, and they're a, like a petroleum oil company. And, and I know you'd spoken about how when market. Uh, uh, cycle rotation occurs the you know utilities is something that tends to do well in a bear market and i'm i'm trying to make some like small positions to have something that i think would be growing in a bear market but i don't know if rei is an oil company or not yeah we actually had a discussion on that in the last podcast uh speculation over whether or not that would technically fall under the same category as like uh, energy yeah, or, you know, power companies or cell phones or the, the kind of stuff that's, you know, like a, a need or essential these days. Yeah, it's like, I mean, a utility company is anything that even if you lost your job, you, you wouldn't cut off, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, your electric bill, your water bill, et cetera. Your, your cell phone is, is also considered utility communications is key. Right. Well, oil actually tends to be a high performer during a high inflation market and towards the ending stage of a bull market. So some people would say right now would really? be yeah. yeah, the heyday of oil because as inflation picks up, you know, the, the cost of goods, one of the biggest drivers of inflation is energy and food. Mm-hmm. And so much so that the index just excludes them. It's called the core. And then there's a headline one and the core excludes food and energy because they're so volatile. But if you look at it, you know, from really far back from an economic standpoint, oil is usually the last thing to rally before a uh, bear market begins. And so some might argue that what's going on right now in the oil market mm. um, is a part of that. It's the last kind of commodities in general, not just oil as well, are the ones, the last ones to benefit mm-hmm. before we turn over into a bear market. Uh. So Michael Burry might be right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> geez, it's not just the short. He was, you know, his, it's the big short. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that guy's made a career of, of being contrarian and, and doing extremely well. And I, look, I think it's been so long since 
the market has experienced a downside mm-hmm. that's continued for longer than because you know every dip's been bought and there is a difference right and a bear market a bear market always starts as hey i'm gonna buy this dip and then you lose money say hey, i'm gonna add a little bit more to this this dip and then one day everyone wakes up with like grapefruit eyes and that's the beginning of the bear market no one could really call the top of the bull mm-hmm. but it, it, it happens when buying the dip stops working and we really have been it's been a long time since that. If you take it back to when that started, it was 2009. Right. When at the time, Ben Bernanke released a TARP package, a trouble asset relief program, and bought a whole bunch of mortgages. And the Fed has still, to this day, been in the market, <laughs> continuing to buy and provide stimulus. So <laughs> crazy. You know, it's been a long period without a, a, a prolonged downside move. Yeah. Cause even that March, uh, when the coronavirus happened, that, that sprung back. I think that was one of the quickest recoveries from that size of a drop that I think the market's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, when Corona happened, like I thought that there would be a little bit more carnage than there was. I wasn't necessarily, you know, a doomsday caller by any means, but I just thought that it would cause a little more of a bear market, not as fast as the downside, but more prolonged. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like Corona is a one off event that, you know, there's, it's a pandemic. So when the pandemic ends, you know, the economy starts to rebuild and it's easy to start being optimistic again versus like the last one was a housing market collapse. Right. Yeah. Right. A lot more like systematic in nature and a lot more scary, which is why it took so long to get through it. I think some of it too was the combination of you have all these people who've been quarantined at home, who can't go to work, have all this free time uh, with the economic stimuluses, they're getting you know, extra money, uh, some of them on a weekly basis, they lost their job, you know, up to $600 more than they were making before. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of those people just started pumping all their money into the stock market too. I think retail has taken on a much larger, uh, at least the cap percentage of capital being in, introduced into the market has gone up significantly from that event. And that might've helped prop it up too. Yeah. Retail volume exploded, right? And, and you bring up a really mm. good point. It's like, we're we're in an economic recovery at the moment, but it's an economic re- recovery defined by a lack of being able to find employees. There's a labor shortage out there. I know. Yeah. Because if you're going to get paid, you know, $18 an hour to work or 16 to sit at home and watch Netflix, like that, that's an easy choice you know, for, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for most people. I don't think that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's an yeah. obligation at that point. We're not obligated right? to stay at home and watch Netflix, but... I think there's danger in that, right? Because mm-hmm. where is this money coming from? It's it's tax payments and it's a temporary situation. Like this is, and some people have called it the beginning of universal basic income and, and you right. know, some people with tinfoil hats, but at the end of the day, like everything's got a cost. <laughs> so providing this continued, you know, guarantee of income, guarantee of landlords taking the beating for people who aren't paying the rent, because there's there's that mm-hmm. eviction moratorium that was extended till the end of July, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I got um, lucky on my house. Yeah, uh, having good good renters that uh, that didn't <laughs> take advantage of that. And this is where risk management was key, right? Because I'm sure you could have leveraged and mm-hmm. you know taken a, a H lock or like a line of credit and bought another property in a third. But then that's how the the, the whole cards crumble as well. So that's prudent risk management, I think, uh, on, on that note. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've, uh, and this is going to get a lot off topic, but. Uh, I, I, <laughs> Keep going. It's fine. It's all fine. I've looked at the population uh, demographic of the United States, like the way, if you look at it by age, you'll see there's like a huge mushroom top at the, uh, the 65 plus. Yeah. Uh, people aren't having kids at the same rate that they used to do when those baby boomers were just exploded after the war. Uh, yeah. I have a hard time believing that there's going to be 
the shortage of housing continuing once they start to you know move on yeah you're yeah. right you know i we i'm a real estate investor as well actually um mm-hmm. victorio from trade pro academy and sarah are a lot more into building longer term portfolios i just funnel out the money uh and and buy real estate Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that is something that that you kind of look at and you're like, well, my saying has always been this and I don't, you know, it's not a family friendly term, but hey, maybe it is. Maybe you teach your kids about this early. As I say, as long as people keep having sex, there's going to be a need for housing. Right. You know? yeah. but <laughs> we're, we're seeing that people aren't as much. They're, yeah. they're being more prudent in family planning, you know, and they're, they're waiting for the right times. There's, there's a lot of different things that are at play here that you know, I think is being underrepresented in the price of the S and P 500. You know, I think there's more, there's bigger tail risks than the market is pricing in. And I think they're being ignored, Mm -hmm. but the market, and I've been doing this since 2001. I started my career during the tech crash. And I'll tell you one thing. I know that when things seem like they're being ignored and it's the happiest, most opportunistic market, that's when you're kind of the closest to things snapping and reverting back. Mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds and, like euphoria, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and boys, they got a nasty way of wiping out a lot of long-term value that was gained in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. So how's that for uh, doomsday? <laughs> <laughs> we got dark, guys. There's going to be no people. There's going to be no money. There's going <laughs> to... Yeah. I'm going to buy calls on the VIX, right? The VXX. Yeah. Oh yeah, VIX call spreads are great in that time. Um, you know, XLU, the ETF for the utilities is really good. It's just going back to, you know, the things that you can't go without. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. utilities and also gold tends to get a little bit more bullish in, in downside situations. Gold's actually an interesting asset because it gets hit first with equities and a positive correlation. Mm-hmm. And then as the fear builds, it starts to climb back up in a, in a bullish cycle. Has a gold uh, but, been kind of getting beat up lately though? Yeah, gold's getting clobbered, right? It's uh, gold's an inflation thing too. It's a protection mm-hmm. against inflation. Uh, but the one asset that I think is really interesting for the next, you know, pullback, or I don't want to use the word crash because it freaks people out, but yeah, there right. is going to be another 10, 15, 20% drop. It happens. It's all cyclical. Yeah. I think the next asset that's super exciting is Bitcoin. Right. I think Bitcoin's got a chance here to prove itself. Like, are you going to be a equity positive correlated asset? Or are you going to be a safe haven where people are going to go to and other things are dropping in value? Yeah, we've been we've been speculating on that too as well. Uh, thinking that it might be taking uh, or giving a gold a run for its money as as the next inflationary hedge. Yeah, I've been I, honestly this whole Bitcoin thing. I've been scratching my head since it broke like ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> like at the same spot on my head too. It's almost going to bleed. It's like <laughs> <I know. laughs> we've it's, had we've had so many crypto guests on, and I've asked every single one of them what is it. <laughs> What does it yeah. do? <laughs> and, and you're going to get a lot of like technical answers, right? Like some of them yeah. probably start spitting out equations stuff. It's like, no, I get it. But like Dennis Gartman, who is probably Dennis Gartman, rather, who I used to get access to his subscription um, when I worked at, as a trader at mm-hmm. the bank. And so anyways, he was horrifically wrong in his calls, but he had really good like <laughs> sayings. And one thing he said was, I like to own things that if I drop on my foot will hurt. Right. And right. With. Bitcoin, I don't really know what I'm dropping on, on my foot. And yeah. actually, we have a little Bitcoin uh, in the office that's like a gold coin that's like encased in a little plastic thing. It looks very official. <laughs> and one time for fun, I went around our neighborhood and I'm like, would you guys like a Bitcoin? And like, they're like, wow, no way. You're going to give this to us? Like, you don't even know what it is. You don't know that this has absolutely no value. And everyone <laughs> is like excited to receive it. I bought this on eBay for like two bucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's perplexing. But I think that's part of what makes it exciting at the same time, you know? Yeah, and it's definitely to the point now where you can't ignore it. Uh, I've, I've definitely changed my tune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. NFTs are a whole other thing. I still think those are digital beanie babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Vicky and I had that discussion. It's like, look, it's becoming institutional is getting a stake in it. it it's becoming time where like, mm-hmm. we got to try some of it. And I think it's at a good enough price right now where you could give it a shot. We bought a little like wallet mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I think this is the first, you know what it is about Bitcoin? I think that was a little bit hesitant about it, is it's making me feel old. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just yeah. not willing to accept that my wallet is a USB key and that, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my day does. wallets were real physical things you kept in your pocket. It had safer strips of money. The phones had cords. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But hey, uh. you know, maybe, maybe I'm just, it, maybe it's me. I'm okay with that. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. How do we get to this dark corner of the web, right? I don't know. Hey, Kyle, you want to talk about some charts? <laughs> no, I want to jump into something okay, else okay. real quick uh, before we do that. Uh, last time we had George on, we, we were, I think it was right in the middle of the, the GameStop saga. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's true. So that's kind of played out some more. So I'm curious uh, if you've got any new... Uh, insights on what's going on I mean, there. You, is it done? Is it over? It, like GameStop is just a roller coaster, right? It's like it, I don't know. It's like bringing a kid to a theme park, and then he he goes through the roller coaster and then he gets scared, gets excited, gets back to the beginning. He's like again, 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 and they 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 go through <laughs> it, and it's like you know you're just sitting there like when are you gonna get bored? And he's like let's eat a funnel cake, and then you're throwing up on the roller coaster. It's like it, it's a very polarizing stock still. Like, look, I was wrong about it. I honestly uh-huh. thought GameStop would end up going like fifty bucks and staying there. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. fact it's at two hundred and two dollars, and now considering that it might be included into some big indices, now it starts to get life because these other institutions need to buy it to replicate the index, right? right? And I think from an indexing point, there's a lot of value. Uh, I think it, you know, they've gone through some executive changes. They've tried to get on the crypto wagon as well, and like announced they're they're doing what a good company would do with an influx of new capital. They issue new shares. You know, they. They basically got paid yeah. with the situation. It's like mm-hmm. it isn't just the person buying it, call options profiting now. It's GameStop raking in like a ton of money on the secondary and IPO markets. So I think this company's got a chance to kind of innovate and become something different in the future than what it is. And I never thought that would happen. I thought, look, it's just like traders are creating a short term opportunity for price appreciation. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really see value in it. I do see value in their plan in the future, but I still don't understand it, to be honest with you guys. Like, you know, their plan, it, just like the whole, the way it was driven up and then back down, you know, it's like, oh, the, you mean that just the price movement in general? Yeah. It scares me in terms of like an investment. I think right. the risk of the price of the volatility in it, I think is not attractive to me. And I know for some people it is that are looking for big moves, but I think that to mm-hmm. make this a career in the long term, you got to remove sexy out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I still see the stock as sexy, right? It's like, you know, you could wake up and it could be up 50,000 of your profit or down 50,000. And it's like, that's a good way to still check if your heart is beating, but <laughs> <laughs> there's cheaper ways to do that. And uh, look, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to criticize anyone if they believe in the value in the plan of the stock in the future, you know, who knows, maybe it doesn't become a thousand dollar stock. But like for me, you know, I think the retail boom and then the retail bust has played out. And now we're kind of going back to the money's left in there is who believes in it. 
right? Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of stories where people made a ton of money and then we didn't really hear about the ones where they lost some because not as many people are open to posting that. I mean, they are. Nobody wants to yeah. post. Well, they on I Reddit. Mean, Wall Street bets is <laughs> yeah. a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I think that in, in history, <laughs> we'll look at this as like the influence of retail investors on the market and there's going to be storylines around it. But it's, I think now it just kind of mm-hmm. becomes a, a a stock that, you know, if you're looking for sexy, yeah, you can get chopped up in it. But if you're looking for an investment opportunity and you believe in the long-term prospects, it could still be worth a shot. I think that like 150 to 175 or so is really good support level there. Um, and I'd be mm-hmm. inclined to take a shot if I believe in the vision of the company. Do you, yeah, the question is, do you believe in Ryan Cohen? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't done as much research. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, like, I mean, at this point, that that's what the bet ultimately is, right? It's right. It and that's the thing about putting so much. You know, it scares me to believe in one thing so much. I know that we need Yes, yes. Right? It's like I'd rather I'd rather disperse the capital I have into multiple opportunities and go all in on one thing because if if this thing falters and falls apart, like Ryan's not gonna take my call. I'll be like, hey Ryan, what happened to my money? Ryan doesn't care. He's gonna be on a yacht yeah. somewhere doing his thing. So you know, I think this is a good learning lesson to a lot of investors to like, hey, look, there's opportunities, there's huge opportunities, but you don't have to take this profile of risk to generate that kind of return. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the main things that came from the first discussion we had was I think you were pleading with people on message boards to, to take some profit, please, dear God, take <laughs> some profit. <laughs> uh, and it was so GameStop was kind of an interesting animal, right? Uh, it was. Like the whole, the main driver of this was just a stock that had incredible short interest, like over a hundred percent. AMC is, is is kind of the next one that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of right in the middle of it right now. But AMC, I feel like, is a different animal. It never had the same amount of short interest. But the more that I've been learning about who, uh, you know, where the the buyers and sellers are in the market, like institutions basically sell into retail investors at the top. That's who's right. getting paid. And they're buying from retail when it bottoms out. Uh, and I think with AMC, what we've seen is a different dynamic. It's a dynamic where retail has decided to get together and say, you know what? Screw it. We're not selling. Yeah, exactly. And if Yet. no one's willing to sell, then the <laughs> price is probably going to continue to go up as long as there's enough people willing to buy it as well. Right? Because... But I think... Yes. Yeah. So I was yes. going to say, if you have something like a bicycle and you're like, ah, this thing's so special because my grandma gave it to me, but no one's willing to pay you money for it. It doesn't really matter what it's worth in your heart. Right. It's a hunk of junk, you know? Sorry, grandma, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my view. AMC has got a different kind of prospect to me. I think they're, they're in the right business. I think COVID hasn't really been friendly to them. And, no. you know, I, I look at it and it's, it's another one of those things that's, it's gone up to about 72 bucks. And I kid you guys not that the guy that delivers mail to our house, I'm going to protect, I almost said his name, but. Let's just call him John. Right. right. <laughs> John, then I, he always asked me, what do you think about AMC? It was trading at $12. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, look, you can make a ton of money with it, but I, I really don't know. I wouldn't put like an outsized percentage of my capital into it. I'd give it a shot. Like if you like a sexy stock, mm-hmm. put a certain percentage in, but don't make it like your biggest holding. And he's like, all right, cool, man. And then like two weeks later, he told me, or two weeks ago, He's like, yeah, man, I made like $50,000 on, on that position. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Did he make 50000 or is he up Well, that's 50, what I asked him. I'm like, did you sell it? And he's like, oh, not yet. I'm like, well, John, you didn't make, can I swear? 
Like, yeah. You didn't make yeah, shit, John. You could be bank holding it a few weeks. <laughs> and then I saw him a week later. He's like, yeah, man, you know what? I sold my initial investment and uh, I took quite a bit of profit. I got 10% of the position running. I'm like, you know what? That's good. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. And yeah. When you look at people who, you know, I mean, I'm not bashing the guy. He's a smart individual. Actually, he does a lot of research. But when you look at the mailman making that kind of money, it's like, this feels a little bit like 2001 did for me. And I know that a lot of people in the markets really don't have that background knowledge because there's a lot of retail volume that exploded after COVID because everyone's home. They're getting stimmy Mm -hmm. checks. You know, what can I do from home? Yep. (laughs) Sports are off. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm either becoming a cam boy or cam girl, or I'm going to learn to trade stocks. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy people chose stocks. It's like retail volumes boomed. Oh, I chose cam boy, but it, it just didn't stick. <laughs> didn't get the subscribers. <laughs> and, and that's where I guess you learn. It's like it, something's only worth what people are willing to pay for it. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Learned auction theory quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the reason why I brought up. Uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about AFC again was because uh, we did learn our lessons. I feel like from from GameStop because uh, I mean I was one of back when we were you know blue eyed, bushy tailed, ready to to take on the world. It felt like it was uh, us first hedgies and diamond hands, you know, yeah. to the moon. Uh, I've gotten to the point now where I mean I I made a, a pretty good amount of money on AMC. Uh, I still have about half the position I think I started with, uh, but now I'm selling cover calls on them uh, and just continuing to collect premium. Um, I basically gotten to the point now where i don't feel like playing a game of chicken with 4.2 million other sh- shareholders yeah yeah and, and i feel like that's kind of ultimately what this has just become and i want to say congratulations to you because to be able to you know first of all with amc and jimmy i think it became something personal and when things mm-hmm. become personal when they develop a storyline of like let's take down the hedge fund you got to remember covid lo- help not help but lost a lot of jobs 20 million jobs were lost in March of 2020, right? Yep. People are home, unemployed. Yep. Some of them didn't expect it. Others did. Some had savings. Some didn't. They needed somebody to, to look at and be like, this is the person we have to take down for this, right? And right. society as a whole. And so when that storyline and narrative became personal, I think that's when it got dangerous. And so I got to say kudos to you for selling some because it's easy to buy shares of any company because you're buying it an opportunity, but it's hard to take an exit. Right, because mm-hmm. that's what crystallizes the position. Yes, is getting out. So when people say, you know, I, I got this many, should I sell some? I don't know. You know, it's yes. like I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> where do you think it's going to go to? I love when somebody has seventy thousand dollars profit delivering my mail, asking me where I think it's going to go to. I don't know, bro. You bought it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, <laughs> you bought this thing. You should have some idea of like what the target is. And <laughs> if you are confused about where it's going to go, it probably means you're surprised it's here. So take some profit. And and I think you doing that, uh, Kyle, is huge. It's it's big for a learning lesson. It's big to for your audience as well. Take that away to be like, look, always take profit. If you're not going to get paid when you have profit, when will you get paid, right? Yeah, uh, that was a lesson I just watched. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's my, one of my favorite I, things. Oh, that really. That I think actually that was a. Uh, uh, topic i gave you guys for your next podcast i think you're taking questions for what you should look at and and mine was uh how do you prevent yourself from from turning small gains into big losses because that's kind of what 
I think that's like where the aha moment was from watching uh, that latest lesson about managing risk and getting paid. And, and like you just said, you know, getting, getting yourself paid. If you don't get pay yourself, then when will you? Exactly. And that's what turns it into a professional career mm-hmm. uh, type option rather than, because you can make all the money in the world, but deep down when you go to bed, you know that some of it is a fluke, right? You know that it's right. like, <laughs> yeah. we've all done that. We're on yeah. socials, be like, check this out, Gucci pants, Gucci hats and all stuff. But you go to bed and you're like, oh man, like. I kind of just fluked this and now you start to feel the pressure and you start to think now I'm here trying to make money. And when you're trying to trade to make money is when you're going to lose all of it. It's like, it's not a, mm-hmm. I'm going out there to maximize my profit business. It's a, I'm here to manage the risk and maybe I'll lose some here and there, but overall as a balance, I'll be up more over a long period of time. So, you know, I think that, that's an important lesson. I think if AMC and GME did anything, I think it provided very valuable education to the new investors who you know who needed it at the end of the day you're going to learn it and i think if you learn it early on it's the cheapest i think the longer you get away with crappy investing rhetoric the more it's going to cost you i think dan you benefited hugely from that uh, risk management as well oh yeah 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 if it wasn't for the cvm blunder i made by purchasing shares and not putting them up updating my stop loss (laughs) i'd be doing fantastic (laughs) Um, <laughs> no, uh, uh, immediately, as soon as I, I watched that management risk management uh, lesson, uh, I was able to see uh, a million things I was doing wrong on, on so many trades. Uh, yeah, I was I was a gambler. I was straight up walking into the, the shop to, to gamble and place bets like on a horse, not not by, uh, you know reading charts and my my favorite <laughs> was the the S&P uh the the strategy retiring out the Borman strategy we've been yeah. calling it it's one of our guests said this is something he likes to do and you were finding success with it like three three times in a row I think you found success and you were saying you wanted to go all in on that no not not with my portfolio I wanted to roll every time everything I gained would be put into the next bet yeah yeah uh, I think I had to talk you out of that I was like no Dan <laughs> No, please don't do that. (laughs) You don't want... I mean, the intention's good for that. It's just, you know, inevitably something will come to to teach you that lesson of of why you shouldn't do that. It's not like I could say this to, to, you know, be like, oh, high and mighty, like, look at me. But I've learned that the hard way, guys. I've gotten slapped around, you know, sideways, backwards, all around the place. And I think we all learned that. Yeah, I think you become a good investor not by avoiding challenges. I think you become a a good investor by being punched so many times and falling on the ground that you just decide to get up once more than you fell, you know, and that's right. That that's what's required. It's a fight. It's like, that's why it's such a hard business is because the money seems easy. It all seems fun, but really the challenge of it is it's a fight. And every single day you're fighting, you can do this for 40 years. You're never going to find one thing that works. And you're like, put your feet up. It's like, Oh, perfect. No more work. I'm going <laughs> to retire. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when that moment comes, I'm shorting you if you're a stock. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm glad you you mentioned that because I think that was one of the things that I liked the most about the Trade Pro courses is seeing you be honest about how much work this is going to be. And even though for me it doesn't really feel like work because I enjoy it so much. I mean, this is the first time I've ever been excited to go to do my job, which this is my job now. Congratulations. Uh, like I've never had that excitement. Thank you. But to be the honesty that you had with like, look, the, this is a business. You need to treat it like a business and you need to be constantly growing and improving and working and practicing. And it's not a get rich quick yeah. scheme. Mm-hmm. And I think the honesty and so many, so I was going to mention, yeah. yeah, I think the honesty is important because when you hit those tough moments, if you haven't been prepared mm-hmm. for them, you feel like you're not doing something right. Mm. 
and you start looking for this holy grail to be like, what am I doing wrong? Where really, maybe the journey that you're perceiving as being wrong is the exact one you need to be on, right? And mm. I think that's the mm. danger of people just talking about profits and showing off, you know, like something that always works. It's like, that's not right. the reality. And when, when you hit a challenge, I think it's important you learn from something that is real and honest, so you're prepared to deal with it and not surprised by it. I don't think there's any market condition that loses more money than surprise. You know, <laughs> you can be anything you want, but you shouldn't be surprised by anything. Like, I actually want to do one last experiment with uh, with your programs. I want to put my wife through it and see how see what the difference is between somebody who has zero market experience or somebody who's fiddle fucked around like me and Dan have for the past year. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, learning something. But do we learn a bunch of bad habits that we have to break? Or did we learn, did we finally see a lot of the mistakes that we were making? And was the lessons more powerful because of that? That's a really interesting question. Do you have any experience with that? So here's the thing. And, and I know that, you know, we're in a world where there's a lot of stuff that you could say that could be misconstrued. So I'm going to attempt to mm-hmm. speak this out and from the rawest, most like, you know, beneficial point. I think that Female uh, investors, when they start out, now this is kind of like, you know, what is considered these days, like it's a female energy. It's just female, whatever that means to the listener. Female investors start out and they have a little more of a focus on risk management. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that. We've seen our female traders kind of be a little bit more risk averse, whereas some of the male ones, and this is just keeping it super general, are more Mm -hmm. like risk takers. Yeah. And so it, it's interesting because, you know, our, the ones, the females in our community who started out and invested in this were a little bit more afraid to take risk, but then were actually having uh, larger win rates. So they'd win more often and lose less, but not be as profitable as quickly as most people would anticipate. And the other thing we found as a trend is that a lot of times, if you start out without knowing anything in a structured program, I think that there's a mm-hmm. higher chance of success because when you start out without a program, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes right. the, the lessons you need to learn to make this a career could cost you a lot more capital than you have. And, you know, in, in extreme situations, people go in debt and then, you know, it's like, I don't want to admit that what I'm doing is wrong. Again, more debt. I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Right. I'm going to keep trading. It has to come back, you know, like hodl, double up, double down, triple down, quadruple down. That's the gambler. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And and you don't tell anyone about that. And it's like, you know, and you blow out and you lose your money at best, at worst, some really dangerous things can happen as a result. So I think that how you start is how you finish. And I think that mm-hmm. at the very beginning, you know, I know that we're kind of in society, big fans and proponents of, you know, I'm going to learn the hard way, grind my way through it, never give up. But in trading, I think if you don't start out with a structured kind of program or be around a community who's following some structure and discipline, I think there's a big danger that you don't ever make it. I think that it's harder to unlearn a bad pattern than it is to start Mm. from the correct way at the very beginning. But if you really want to make it work, like you said, uh, Kyle, right? You're like, I don't think this is a job. I love doing this. It's yeah, right. That's kind of the passion that'll get you through. Even if you start, like no matter where you start and how bad it gets, you'll always find your way through to where you need to be because you got that determination. But not a lot of people start in this industry for that same motive, right? They're like, let me just make some quick money or like, mm. I'm going to just do this on the side. And you're going against professionals, you know? 
with a side hustle, it, it, it works so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think we can beat that professional hockey team over there. Let's give it a go, boys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think you can just jump in the lake and kill the shark. Like, what do you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, old. It's, it's just an old slow shark. You can do it, George. Come on. Jump in. Yeah. And I play hockey because I'm from Canada. Everyone has to if they have a Canadian passport. And, yeah. And our hockey team's like that too, right? We're like, oh, man. Like, we watch the game after the hockey games, and we'd be like, oh, why wouldn't he do the pass or whatever? One time I put a camcorder. Yeah, I wish the Canadians were in town here. I'd show them how to make a, <laughs> a shot. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So one time I put a camcorder and recorded our, our men's league hockey game, and I showed it to them afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these are the same people. Like, let's look at ourselves from an external perspective. These are the same guys out there chirping the professionals. And one of my buddies right. is like, you have that on slow-mo? I'm like, bro, I actually sped this up. we gotta remember it's like everything's like that in life right it might be easy to log online create an account and start trading but it's still a professional Mm -hmm. space and we gotta respect that yeah i mean uh yeah one last thought on that i do think i actually had a little bit of a leg up too because i I spent a lot of time studying poker uh as a younger in my younger days like actually putting like a real treating it like a business keeping logs uh, you know, writing down win loss rates, uh, expected profits, and analyzing sessions like really took it seriously. And I think there's actually a lot of similarities between poker and trading, uh, especially from a risk management point of view. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a huge advantage. By the way, it's um, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of proprietary firms back in the day that would hire traders to and give them money to trade, and then they split the profit. Um, a lot of the prop firms mm-hmm. would hire former poker players and former athletes. Oh, really? And um, well, yeah, one of our most successful members of Trade Pro actually ranks very highly in the United States as a poker player. I'm not going to mention his name. I'm not surprised. Yeah, and he came in and he's like, hey, look, I play poker. I just need to equate the terminology of trading to poker. It'll probably take me a few months to get this. <laughs> I might have a few. He's like, <laughs> I might have a few questions to ask you. And I'm like, yeah, sure, man. No problem. Three weeks later, he's like, yeah, man, I'm crushing it. I'm making more than I ever did in poker. I'm like, in three weeks, bro? <laughs> Jeez. He's like, yeah, man, this is the exact same thing as poker, except I don't have to leave the house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh, man. That's good for him. That's awesome. Poker is a huge advantage. Poker, prop, you know, athletes, anything where discipline and risk management is taught and also making decisions, right? Because... Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're trained to work for people who make decisions, but we're not really trained to how to make proper decisions. Like think about it in school and everything, right? It's all just packing your info, your head with info. But there wasn't really mm. a class called decision making. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, no, there, there wasn't. Be, at and all. it's like that's what <laughs> trading is. You're making a decision, and one thing people don't tell you about decision making is there is no right decision in the moment. Right. You know. You like these executives get paid so much money and people are like, oh, why do you get paid so much money? Well, they make decisions because they have experience and experience helps you make a good decision. <laughs> but the, the outcome isn't known in decision making time. And I think that's what makes trading so hard and poker. I take it even a step forward uh, as far as the decision making. I think a lot of people are afraid to make decisions at work because they don't have good managers who will stick up for them and say like, look, you made the wrong decision, but you made it with the right reasons. Yeah. For sure, man. And work, like if you make a wrong decision, you get, you know, you get disciplined, you get talked to. If you make a right, right. decision, how many times have people made a good decision and their right. research or work has been stolen and presented as somebody else's? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's sad. It's really sad because as humans, the way we've been conditioned as humans in, in, in modern society, 
is probably the absolute worst way to be a trader. You know, it's like, it's, it's so, it's hard because you look at trading and you're like, oh, as long as I know what stock to buy and I have money and, you know, I take a little course, I can figure it all out. But really, it's more of an inner work to bring out that profitable trading than it is, you know, some kind of tool or finite formula that you can find. It's like really got to dig down into who you are, how you feel about risk, how you feel about money. Right. You know, do you have fears and values that are negative around success? Because, hey, there's fear of success. Guess what? Some people are like, hey, I'd love to have yeah. all the money, but deep down, they have a fear of success. So it's all, that's what I love about this business. It's all this thing combined and packed into one. And no matter who you are, no matter how you start, you have to deal with these things. And everyone has to go through the same journey. And I love it. I love how everyone can take their own path. Like no two paths are similar. And they can still be equally as successful. Exactly, right? It's like it's like you're finding yourself within the market and then that's your strategy. You can't yep. just copy somebody else's and, and apply it, you know. Yep. We've learned yep, that. Yep, yep. <laughs> Me too. I'm just gonna buy all the options alerts that trade pro trade pro order flow tweets. I'll be golden. Yeah. Yep. You know what? No, trust trust but verify. <laughs> yeah, it's like the signals are are very like there's a lot of groups that provide profitable signals and even Trade Pro Flow. I think Sarah and I were talking about it. She's like, Oh, I had a crappy week on Trade Pro Flow. I'm like, What do you mean? She's like, It was only sixty four percent profitable that or, or correct this week. I'm like, Sarah, only sixty four percent. You could win forty percent right. of the time and be profitable. But I think it's it's not the signal, it's the decision that you make with the signal. And so we go back to this important word. Right, it's like how can five different people have five different results with the same signal? Mm. You know, and that mm-hmm. right there is the proof that you know these signal services and copying and mirroring trades and copying someone's trading plan will never work, right? Because it wasn't developed with your, you know, the way your mind was designed, crafted your values, your beliefs, your environment that you were around. All that has influence on how you make decisions. You know, it's like. It's a lot more of uh, how do I say it? It's like it's a lot more of an inner journey. You can't, yeah, you can't just buy and then think you're going to do exactly what they do. You have to incorporate it into your plan, which means it takes a lot more work. You got to study it and yeah, analyze it and do do all the work that they did. Exactly, and I have examples of this. We had a member who, uh, and I'm not mentioning names again, but we had a member who for months made really good money with signals. And then one time decided to go against the signal and say, I'm going to just put more money in. I think this person is wrong. And it's like, all right, well, if you're getting in on a signal and they're giving you the exit signal and you're not taking it, now it's like, now you're introducing confusion in a gray area where at the end of that trade, how are you going to analyze what you did right? Was it a signal? Was it your thought process? If it's your thought process, why do you need mm-hmm. a signal? If it's just a thought, is it a plan? Is there a risk management to it? There's so mm-hmm. much that goes into it. So it's like, you could get somebody's profitable trades and find a way to screw it up. It's like, and you will. <laughs> you know? Because the one trade, yes, we know. Yeah, exactly. It's like the one trade that person loses, they lose $500 yep. and yep. you YOLO into the account, keep buying the dips and you blow out your whole account. And you're like, these stupid signal services don't work. <laughs> and I've been there too, man. Trust me. When right. I first started, it's like, I just want to follow somebody. I want to find the Michael Jordan in this industry. And, you know, I realized, like, you got to be the Michael Jordan. It's like Oprah. I remember watching Oprah with my mom, and there was one guy that jumped on the train tracks to save someone. And this stuck mm-hmm. with me. Is You guys are probably like, where the hell is he going with this? But <laughs> watch this. I'll get back on the main road. Right. Talked about everything else. Might as well talk yeah, about exactly. Oprah. <laughs> I was watching it. This guy's like, yeah, hey, right, there's a dude not? laying on the tracks. 
somebody help him. And then he, he was kind of stopped in that moment. Everything froze. He's like, I got to be that someone and jump down and save the guy. So like for me, mm-hmm. I kind of look at it this way too, is when in, in times of peak challenges or like signals relating back to that, it's like you can't look to outsource the most important work. And, and in trading, that's the most important work is taking the trade, managing mm-hmm. the risk. And if anyone other than you does that, you know, they don't care about your money. They just, right. that's the important part I want to mention. It's like signals don't work. Trust me. I've tried so many. I've lost so much money at the beginning. And uh, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I don't want a signal. Keep it. Okay. Well, right. I right. think we're, we're starting to run a little long here. So we hit the couple charts and then. Let's uh, do it, guys. We're ready to go. Maybe wrap this thing up. Dan, do you want to go first since you're, you're yep. trying to start beef? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I see I know why Trade Pro is like, oh, Disney is is about, you know, we're looking for the turnaround. Uh because it I'm looking at the the, the weekly chart. Uh you could be looking at the daily and I think it's made a very beautiful head and shoulders, but the most recent cycle right. it failed to make a new lower yes. low. So, uh I believe that's why you guys are looking at it to to turn around. But it's still like I drew this really nice pretty bare trend line that it's still holding down be- below. Yeah, and so you probably connected that trend line with like the high around the 203 down into into those tops into where we are now, right? Like a yeah. So you know, it's a it, yeah. I think this kind of goes yeah. to to cycles and look, I got to say this, we don't know who's going to be right or wrong. I guess if you listen to this podcast 4 months nope. later, you're like Haha, Dan <laughs> stuck it to George, or you know, like, yeah, you'll know. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm the teacher right. now. That idiot, Dan. Exactly. Dan Pro Academy. Here we go. You never know, but <laughs> like, the way that I see it too is like there, there's cycles, right? And I think you mentioned, I think Kyle, you said how uh, institutional absorbs the selling from retail, and then on the top end of the trend, mm-hmm. they sell it to retail. So I think when you look at it from a cyclical standpoint of accumulation, public participation, and distribution are like three phases of the chart. You know, Disney got to a point, and Vicky loves the stock. I think he's got the long under 100 bucks. And Victorio's like a crossover of a fundamental. He he likes things a little Mm -hmm. fundamentally, but then trades them more actively. Um, You know, when we got long Disney, and I think he bought some for the Trade Pro account. Actually, I don't think I know he did. Uh, the, The streaming service was about to launch. There was a lot of exciting things. But just looking at it from a technical mm-hmm. analysis standpoint, I think on Disney, there's some really good support between 150 to 160. Um, and like if you look at where that low was on Friday, it was higher than the prior low. And then that candle is like a hammer bottom candle, right? At the 170. You see, yep. You see it on a weekly? So be, uh, I'm looking on the daily. Yeah. Either, like, let me see. On, yeah. On the daily. Yes. Well, maybe I should do what you guys are doing. The weekly is a hammer <laughs> on the daily. It's it's a pretty bullish pattern on a reversal. So I think as long as it holds support between like 155, 165, there's a lot of support there. And, uh, you know, that's why the idea is for an extension higher is like if you look at it from the start from 83, it had an impulse wave higher to 203 and then a pullback. Disney hasn't seen a big pullback since the post pandemic. You know, the stock's been on fire. Mm hmm. It, you, it's funny you mentioned that support at 150, 165. That's where I think it's going to go. Like, that's my price target. I think, like, okay, I think Disney's going to pull back, but it won't pull, it couldn't pull back further than this because look at all the, the volume profile. Oh, it just shows up. Buyers, buyers loved it at 155. Yeah, I like that level, to be honest with you. I, I think that 155 to 160, if I was looking to add to Disney, and I think there's, 
you, sometimes you got to distinguish between looking to get into a stock for the first time or looking to add to a position, right? And like if mm. if it was at 170 yeah. right now, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opening it for for a new trade, but I would potentially consider adding to it because I got a profitable leg to support it, right? But uh, I see like the 150 to 160, like 155 to 160 is a really big support, and I think people who are buying it will probably get wiped out, some shake out, some week longs, hit that level, and that's an ultimate support because that was a prior high from the pre pandemic run up on Disney. Well, you know what else you can do as well, Dan? Like, uh, I mean, obviously, you guys listen to disclaimer of the podcast, but one thing you could do here is do a multiple entry. I yeah. think when you look to get all in on one position, it becomes hard because it's a binary decision. You're in or you're not. I think what you could do is like take the entry capital, split it into thirds, mm. and say, hey, I'd like to get it at 155 to 160, so I can put a third there. But if it goes without me right now, if it only gets to 175 and rips the 200 bucks, I'll be pissed. I'm waiting on 155, right? And what does mm-hmm. that do? You end up buying it at 200, and you buy yeah. the top, and then it drops. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like this damn thing knows how to separate. <laughs> exactly, FOMO and chase it up. Chasing so what you can do price. is add a third. Yeah. It's a good move because you're doing a smaller position, so the loss is going to be smaller. So you're managing risk, and then as it drops to the target you want, you're you're adding in or scaling into the position to build a full size right at the level that you find is a good sport. Well, it sounds like you guys are actually more on the same page than it sounded like initially. Then I, yeah. I mean, no beef. Yeah. I like, uh, I- yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to find someone else. <laughs> I can also, I can also fight the bear side of it. If you guys want me to take the opposite angle, is that trend line? You're right. No, that's- um, and I would actually wait to see it break like 185 first. A lot of times people are like, well, if I get it for 177, why wouldn't I pay 177 instead of 185? It's like, because now you own it. Confirmation. If it does hit 85, the probability is higher to keep moving because everything's moving on momentum these days. So I like it mm-hmm. above 185 as well. All right. Should we go to Pepsi next? Yeah. Yeah. All right. PEP. I'm on the daily chart. And God, why didn't I ask George about Dr. Pepper? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) All right. I'm looking at this nice uh, rising wedge pattern that it's got. Um, I've drawn out the trend line on the top and then the support line on the bottom. Uh, Looks like it's trading above its 50 day Mm -hmm. moving average. See that real nice doji, yeah, that it just hit uh, yesterday, or I guess the second Friday. Yeah. Uh, I actually took out uh, a small put position. I think it was trading around 149.30. Uh, Dan was nice enough to inform me that earnings were on the 13th. Well, that's <laughs> I exactly what I was going to mention. Yeah. That. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, now that I've just learned my lesson about not supposed to be uh, gambling on earnings, I basically got a week until I got to dump this thing. <laughs> but um, I, I'm looking at it the last three times I think it's hit that top of that trend line. I'm just looking at how severely it's gotten rejected. Uh, and I think there's room for at least, you know, a couple dollar profit on this. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I could see the short. I see the rising wedge for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I see 150 above is a really big level. And if you look at that level, you know, it failed there in December 30th of 2020, around 148. Mm-hmm. And then it failed around the 147 marker as well in February of 2020. So those are really big failure points in the past that have caused big dumps. I mean, look, the first time, it hit that level and couldn't get through it. Went down thirty percent, and the second time. Oh wow! Yeah, look at that. It went down. How much did it go down? At about one twenty-eight. Yeah, exactly. Twelve, so twelve, whatever. Twelve percent. Yeah, it went down. <laughs> and so, yeah, a lot. N- now we're above that level. <laughs> what I like about it too is like I look at the volume. Mm-hmm. 
and not really necessarily just the volume profile because for me, volume profile is timing. It's like when I'm ready to get into a position, I'll, I'll look at it as to where to put the limit order on volume profile. Right. But if you just look at the horizontal volume at the bottom, to me, it's like a gas pedal. It's yeah. like the volume's not increasing and it's equivalent of a car moving forward, but your foot's not on the gas. And so if you know that, you know that you're coming in for deceleration. It might still go, but not at the same uh, pace until it stops, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is where Pepsi's at. Like I'm seeing upside, it's broken a prior high. But if you look at the last couple volume candles, it's actually been decreasing. Yeah, and then those big dumps, when it was touching up against that, that trend line, the volume really came in heavy. Yeah, on the downside. Like, uh, let's say 27th and then on the 18th. What happened on June 18th? That's a that's a really gross day. Uh, yeah. It, it was either news or the yeah, market just got pummeled <laughs> as a whole. But yeah, that's that that's a candle that's kind of worrisome. But then we're also above that price. So like for me, for for this one, if I were short, given that we've broken that top that's you know held off the buyers multiple times, once 20% dropped, the other one 15 I'd probably size down a, a bit on it as well. But I think one thing that would help mm-hmm. you is implied volatility goes up into earnings. And so even yep. without the, the movement of the stock price, the Vega increase might actually help you offset some of the loss. So you could actually wait until you know one or two days before it and dump it. And even if you're wrong, still break even. Yep, that's kind of what it... I mean, there's still the gambler in me that wants to say uh, all-time high, earnings coming up, uh, going to be disappointing, but... It's yeah. not worth it. It's not worth the gamble. But you know what? Like, there's actually a study that says if a stock misses earnings by one dollar, it drops uh, mm-hmm. three dollars, and if it beats earnings by one dollar, it only goes up one dollar. So really, fear is three times greater than than greed. You know, statistically. Oh yeah, yeah. And so wow. you're on the right side of the trade. I just think that right before earnings. Yeah, I just don't like the yeah, earnings. The timing yeah, of it's a I little know. bit. You know, and above one fifty, you gotta like. When I'm shorting a stock that's moving up like this, like the stock is up, mm-hmm. this is almost uh, pre-pandemic, is it? Eh. Yeah, it is. So when it's like that high up and, and I'm trying to short it, you know, I, I have a target, anything above 150, I'd probably can it, try to sell it, save as much premium as you can on the option. Okay. One- uh, I, did, uh, I did listen to some of the other lessons I think Vic- Vico was talking about uh, as far as like sizing your position to a uh, much smaller, like to your risk level basically, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've been I've been taking that one to heart with uh with everything that I've been when I find a trade now because I want to jump in and and put these lessons to to use right what's the point of learning all this stuff if you're not using it right yeah but I, I've definitely sized down my positions to minuscule amounts compared to my portfolio size that's honestly great because that's oh, yeah. when you take away the learning right it's like you make less money but you actually learn more and I think. Well, the, the, I think the main problem with that, though, is then it becomes to a point where, like, if the money doesn't mean anything to you, you're much more likely to just say, uh, you know, screw it. I don't care if it goes to zero. It's just 100 bucks or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's kind of double-edged, huh? Because you need to be practicing those skills of, of learning when to take the profits. But if the, the money doesn't actually mean anything to you, too, then it can make it a little more difficult to, to do that. Yeah. And I think there's different personality types, too, right? Like, like some people would want, mm-hmm. like, if I don't have skin in the game, I'm not doing this. I definitely have that feeling, yeah. Yeah, and then and for you, then it's just like you skin in the game means different to you than it does to anyone else. It's like you have your own dollar value, mm-hmm. and I do think your personality type is like if I don't have skin in the game, I don't really care. I do think that you shouldn't limit yourself below that. Have skin in the game, and then that will force you to kind of practice risk management because 
if it, let's say five hundred dollars a trade is skid in the game, but you're only risking a hundred for fun, five losses is now skid in the game. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yes. That's yeah. A good so point. you, de- you definitely want to like make it. Some people just are super risk averse, and for them, you know, definitely cut the trade size. But also, like even while you're learning, and, and we advocate for this a lot, it's like most people spend more time in simulation than they need to, mm-hmm. and. It's all about jumping in, and then now it's 2021, and nobody even sim trades anymore. Everyone just died. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I got my Robinhood account. How hard could it be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hope you don't have Robinhood still. So. No, I don't know. <laughs> I can't wait two days for shipping. What makes you think I can wait for anything? I know. <laughs> yeah, there's this comedian on Netflix that did a, a bit about Amazon Prime. He's like. Amazon Prime's too slow. It's like I want Amazon before. Like, like I want it. I want it as soon as I think about it. Before I think about it, and he's just talking about. Yeah, he's talking about Uber Eats. He's like, yeah, I don't want right. you to just drop it on my doorstep. I want you to put it in my mouth, chew it for me. Oh, that's Jim Gaffigan, wasn't it? I think that was his newest, um, his newest special. Was it, Jim? it was. Uh, I think it might have been. It sounded. Like, I think I saw I the same it was a guy one from, from China. He moved to the U.S. Right? Or was that the same one? It doesn't sound like a Jim. What was it? I forgot his name. I thought, I thought it was Jim Gaffigan, the big pasty white guy. I'm going to email uh, you and you can put it in the show notes because this is important. Can you, can well, you feed me? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> there you go. We strive for accuracy. Kyle, do we, uh, do we have any fun and games for George? I didn't prepare anything for the month end review. I think, uh, I think we got a... Damn it. The new theme song we decided to give him, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, guys, you've given me a jingle. You've given me enough. an invite to be on this podcast. <laughs> is there a point where you might be spoiling me? Uh, well, I was actually going to ask if you want to come back next month and uh, do this all again. Let's do it. I'd love to. Yeah, man. Let's. Uh, if you guys want, we could do a little bit more of a focus on stocks. I tend to. I'm passionate about this. I hope you guys could tell. So when I yeah answer, sometimes I go a little bit off the rails. If it wasn't Trade Pro Academy, uh, it'd be off the rails. If it wasn't, yeah, that's fine. if it wasn't all interesting, uh, <laughs> there might be a problem. <laughs> I don't recall laying any rails for this show, Kyle. Did you? No, no. In fact, I think that's kind of the point of it. <laughs> yeah, it's all off rails. Perfect. Well, I love what you guys are doing. Always super yeah, fun to be I'll here. And you. I thank you guys for having some of our trade pro members on. Uh, Victorio, Sarah, myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Anytime they want to come back, uh, oh, I'd love to have them. It's been so great. Yeah, we got to ship you guys some coffee mugs and some shot glasses. I sent them already, actually. Did those show up to your office yet? Uh, we, got, we had a few packages. We haven't been in yet since Friday. Uh, I think we all kind of stayed away okay. from the office today for one day. It should be in there. I think you got some coffee mugs and shot glasses for you, Vico, and uh, Sarah. I promise you we'll use the shot glasses before the mugs. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> I think Vico said that he, because I let him know to, to keep an eye out for it. I think he said that uh, he'd definitely get a lot of use out of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, that kid's, uh, you know, he's a savage. He's still young, he's single, <laughs> and his, the weekends for him mean a whole different thing than me, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And my weekends are looking for new stocks uh, yeah. to look at. God, come on. <laughs> That's what I do, too. Right. <laughs> Stupid holiday. <laughs> Ugh. Can't trade on a Monday. I know, man. I still look at it that way. I look at these things as like, you know, I there's sometimes I'm doing things that I should be focusing 100% on. I'm like, I can't wait to go home and look at the charts. Or like flip open my phone. I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. I don't really care. It's a red light, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Oh, I can't tell you how I many times that. I yeah. drove home from work with the, the stock ticker on my phone. That, so I just, I had to change my, uh, my sleep time on it so that way you quit going to sleep <laughs> after 10 seconds. <laughs> Where's that now? Where's that yeah. now? Where's that now? <laughs> I asked a friend that worked at the dealership Mercedes. I'm like, is there a way you could hack this screen so I could put on it what I want? He's like, no, I'm not helping you trade while you're driving. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> 
knew me well. <laughs> I used to work with a guy who'd read a book on his way to work. Can you believe that? Wow. That's crazy. Like a legit like novel paperback. He'd have it on the steering wheel with his hands holding the pages. Did he get to work more than the first day? That's oh, yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how well he retained what he was reading. You know, there's something <laughs> called speed reading. Have you guys ever looked well, into this? Well, yes, really yes. Howard Berg, world's fastest reader. Howard Berg. I, I got his course when I was a kid. No way. And I think that's oh, where you should I learn it to. I think kids, like this is a big skill. Like it changed my life. I'm able to go through so many books. And a lot of people actually know this, but it's kind of like the best kept secret, if you will. And uh, I speed read. Unless I want to read for the love of <laughs> what I'm reading, which is never. So always speed read. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Dan got his consequences for losing the bet last month. Do you want to guess what that was? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. After giving me uh, four weeks of watching Jersey Shore, I gave him the choice between a awful book <sighs> that might be so bad it's good or a great book that I'm positive he won't enjoy. <laughs> so what did you choose? Yeah. He went with the great book, and so now he's going to read Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by uh, Judy Wow, Bloom. <laughs> Kyle, I think you just making him think about that yeah. and taking that decision is like the, the cost of losing the bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How would you ever do this to someone? <laughs> yeah, the bets are starting to get a little oh, out of control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had to actually apologize when I when I watched an episode of Jersey Shore. It uh it became very apparent that I went over overboard. It was it was too harsh. I love it, man. Yeah, I think his, he kept asking me what the plot was. It's like I don't know what to say. Uh, I just told you everything that happened. Like the- <laughs> Yeah, but what's the plot of the show? <laughs> I, I think the hardest job in the world would be like being a description writer for the for each show for a Jersey Show. Like I'm, yeah, oh, it's hard enough yeah, doing our show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys are the best. That's so funny. But uh, yeah, it was fun chatting. Um, I think we should do it again. Let me know what you guys want and what kind of show. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you some uh, dates and times. We'll get that on the schedule. Cool. For sure. For um, sure. Do we need to do an outro, Dan? Uh, probably not. Folks, <laughs> as you can tell, we're wrapping up. We're going to get uh, George back again sometime. We'll let you know about that. Until uh, till the next episode, happy trades. Bye, folks. Thank you, guys. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.